Everybody and welcome to the End of Sales podcast. I hope you're all keeping well. Who's watching along with ourselves tonight? I'm delighted to be joined by Amphley from the Jungle Gems. How are you, buddy? How are you doing, Steve? Not too bad yourself. I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Thanks for coming on. And also, a big welcome back to Ross McCall. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me bounce on on this fine day. It's been Anytime, a while. Yeah, it's been, it's a, been a while. It's been a beat. <laughs> but we're here already to talk Celtic and look before we get into it I just want to mention the, the Super Six and stuff I don't have the up to date scoreboard but just get involved with that again um, Saturday get your scores in before the kickoff times and we'll be announcing the table again on Monday but they get kind of stuck into it Ross I'll start with yourself Celtic against Hibs I mean bit of a sticky patch there over the last couple of weeks a bit of murmurs a bit of discontent frustration at how we're playing but I think all in all as, as we always do a brief summary of the game I think we we, we, we turned him over, in a way. We totally turned him over. Yeah, it was good to it was good to see a little bit of panache back in the side. It seems like you know somebody needed a proverbial kick up the behind, um, and it looks like maybe they they did that with a boss yelling at them uh, the previous week. So yeah, it was good to watch. It was good to see everybody. I thought O was great. It was nice to see him have a start. Probably uh, give uh, give Kyogo a little bit of a, a break and a bit of, a bit of a run for his money. I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it was good. It's good football. Yeah, it was good football. And although if Celtic Park does feel a bit strange, Ross, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the podcast. And Alfie, what about yourself? I mean, a Wednesday night kickoff, usually the Champions League, but it was domestic action was in town. And I think, like Ross said, we had that kick up the arse that Rogers gave them on on Saturday. Yeah, so it seemed like the uh, the halftime team talk on Saturday kind of really worked, and Wednesday night ended up being more than entertaining game than any other Wednesday night so far this season, Champions League included. It was a, a much better game. Uh, I think we'll talk about it later on, about the, the personnel that was in that squad that probably helped helped give us that wee kind of panache, as Ross says. Yeah, I, I think I think as well. I think your camera's a wee bit behind, buddy, but we'll bear with it. But I think that for me anyway, what I was looking for was the reaction, Ross, and the kind of, as you said, that kick up the arse. And I know Cal McGregor took it thick that's he was called soft in an essence, you know what I mean? But we've seen a different side to him. The second half of the game last week, he scored. I mean, he took the game by the, the scruff of the neck against Hibs there as well. And I kind of want to touch upon just him a wee bit, a wee bit of personally here, and his importance to the team. And the way I think Rodgers has dealt with him, and we all, we're all we not blamed. We can see that he hasn't been his best throughout the whole season. All the players are on that the same boat. But what I think Rodgers has done brilliantly is we've been in mind games there. Like you're soft, and McGregor seems to be taking that a wee bit personally, and he, he's ram with it. And he, he, to be fair, he's, he's dragged the team to two victories in a row. Yeah, I mean, even against Hibbs, he, he took a, he took a couple of digs, I think, and it looked like you know he was going for the bottom corner again. Um, look, I think like with any professional athlete, it does become a point. Age starts becoming a part of the game, but also if you are getting played out of position and you, you tend to go missing during games, you know, there's no doubt that Callum McGregor is a phenomenal footballer. Um, and a great leader for Celtic. I think it's been an interesting couple of months. Like I said, it's been a while since I've been here, um, and it's been a it's been an interesting, slightly frustrating watch. Um, and the likes of Callum, who who are the, you know they're, they're the they're the cling tos, you know they're the ones that we rely on for these big games to to show how Celtic is supposed to play, you know, and even on and off the park. And so when he goes missing, it does feel a little bit diluted, but. What a cracker he scored the other week. And I think you're right. I think it was more like, you know, I know a lot of the boys aren't on social media and they say that they stay clear of it. But, I mean, you'd have to be hiding in a cave not to kind of hear the murmurs that people are upset 
and uh, and maybe you're not playing to your full potential. So I think he wanted to, you know, shut a few faces up. And so he went out there and did it. And I'm glad he's back. hundred uh, percent. And Anthony, I mean, yourself and Cal McGregor. And it feels like a bit of an odd one when they're picking differences in his form. But every, every team, every player in the team is, is up for criticism when it's due. And I think there's Cal McGregor, my point of view, just looked laboured at points earlier on the season. And like what you said, Ross, there's been a strange season. I'm still not, I don't know what it is, I'm still not fully on board with it all. It's just a strange feeling that you, you all know what I'm like. But I mean, with Cal McGregor himself, and we talked about it on Wednesday as well in, in our group chats, but he rolled back the years. And I think what Roger's done, moved them up a position. I think it was a masterstroke. Well, I think we've all been waiting on that. I think we've all been waiting yeah. on pushing him further up again because he's been having this sitting back, holding back defensive midfield thing, which just doesn't suit his game for, you know, us, uh, us amateurs out here watching, you know. Um, I, I I do lean on the side of I'm a big Brendan fan, you know that. And, uh, you know, I think he he's a damn good coach. And I think he probably knows what he's doing. And sometimes we might be a little like, uh, get to it. So I'm glad that whatever he did, he switched up. You know, so I think there's a few of the midfielders that, that are arguably really great players, but they don't really play well together. You know, for me, like O'Reilly and Turnbull, yeah. I don't think are, are particularly, you know, gelling together. It's one or the other, you know. It's like, yeah. you bring on Turnbull, he scores a goal. You put on O'Reilly, he scores a goal. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, I, and I think that with Callum, I think there's a few players. I thought uh, Iwata had a great game against yeah. him, actually. You know, and that's something that you look at and you go, huh. All right, that's an interesting balance. So I think, you know, he's playing around. We all know we've got an overinflated squad. We know there's a thousand players there and we're trying to, you know, figure out who's working. But like you, I think we just wish we'd get on with it and figure that out. Yeah. I think we've got a, um, without pointing the fingers here, an overinflated transfer budget, Ross, but we'll leave that to another discussion. And hopefully, yourself and Callum McGregor, do you think that possession chain suited them? Going up to the moving up one, as Rogers called it? Yeah, uh, 100%. It's actually really being quite annoying is one of the, the bigger things I think a lot of fans have, have had his issues with this season is that he has been sitting deeper and it's something I've picked up on for years um, with our midfield kind of trio, even going back to when we had Brown and Beaton and even Malumbu and uh, was it Neil Lennon's kind of first tenure if we play two defensive midfielders the game doesn't work for us properly, not in mm-hmm. Domestic football, and it's almost the same. I know a lot of tangent here, Ross, as well, but it's almost the same when we play Turnbull and O'Reilly. It's two very similar players, and they both do the same job, which means that somebody else is not doing the third job that Rogers needs to do. And he's always talked about this in his Liverpool days, where he needs three players: one sitting deep, one doing the, the leg work up and down, and one being the kind of attacking creative player. And when you bring somebody like Awater in, it allows Cal McGregor to go up and be that driving player between defence and midfield and into attack and then lets O'Reilly do what he does best. I think that's what we saw most with Cal McGregor on Wednesday night. Those long shots, when's the last thing we really saw him do that from that kind mm. of position? Allowing somebody like Hitati, if he was back on form, or Wata, where he's in now, he allows Cal McGregor to be that player that he always has been. And I'd, I'd much rather see that for the rest of the season than persist with a uh, a tandem of O'Reilly and Turnbull, and then ask McGregor to sit too deep because he's he's wasted. He's much better with that forward pass, that forward drive. Yeah, to- totally agree. And um, we'll come back on the water later in the podcast, but I want to start with O, um, Ross, and he came in and I thought 
the fits and starts we've seen of him, I think he's been brilliant this season. I think overall he has like I think something eight goals and twelve starts. Don't quote me on the stat. I've seen it on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's similar to that. Must be true. Um, must be true. And the, the, his goal ratio per game is up where we're the best uh, forwards in the league, albeit coming on as a sub and, and things. But what I thought he brought to us was like, nah, look, it's no comparison or anything. And before anyone jumps from here, but like the Moose and Dembele, the odds and Edward physicality that we didn't see in Kyogo. Now, again, it's not discounting what Kyogo brings to the team, but he was a focal point. And I think with him up top, you can kind of ferry your game. You can hit it long. He can hold it up. You can play intricate passing. He's good at linking up the play. And then also, Roger said, he can get in behind. So he offers you three different options up front. And his game, to me anyway, seems to be coming together. When he first came in, he was raw. He was just going everywhere. He was running about like a headless chicken. Jurgen Klinsmann came all the way from South Korea to Rugby Park to watch him against Kamarnik. And he absolutely flapped that day because he was trying to make an impression so much. But what, what I've noticed is... He's settled down. He's taken his chances. Two goals, yes. One, Carter Vickers headed off his leg, but he's going to claim it as any good striker would do. But what, what's your opinion on, on Owen the Bennett and the team? I sort of, uh, I sort of agree with a lot of what you're saying, and and dare I say, it, I'll make a uh, uh, a similar. <laughs> well, I know Yakimakis, right? Who we all, I really like Yakimakis. I thought he was a great, a great substitute striker. Like, you know, and held up that play. And I'm not saying that O's close to him and not, you know, but it took it took Yakimakis quite some time, if you remember, to actually start scoring goals. It took him yeah. a while. And and I sort of see that in O a little bit. And I like his hold up play. And he does have a little bit of aggression in him, which I like. That second goal that he scored against Hibbs is phenomenal. The way he edges the the defender off the ball. I mean, you know, it's not like a, a super star, you know, top top bin. Uh, goal strike, but I mean the fact that he nudges him off the off the ball and the strength that he did to then tuck it around the keeper—it's a really good striker's goal. So I like him a lot, actually, and I sort of trust him. You know, we've talked about this a lot. It's it's nice to be able to trust players. And when O comes on, I'm not like going, "Oh, why are we taking Kyogo off?" You know, it's I understand mm-hmm. there's a play, and I like them playing together. Also, I mean, I know that's um, you know not a fried upon everyone says, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I like him. I mean, I, I, I sort of, I feel there's a lot of trust, and I think he's growing. You know. Well, what do you, what do you think's wrong with Kugel then? Because he hasn't scored what nine games, something like that. I and mean, I've seen people say, I've seen people say that the style of play kind of eliminates him. And to a certain extent, I get what they mean because when the balls get whipped into the box, I mean, well, come on, O'Reilly's goal, for example, the header. Kugel's not going to challenge there. He's dropping deep to get involved, where he should he should be in the box and, and being there like every good striker. But he's not, and his involvement with the team. I mean, he's getting six to seven touches in a game. I know last season, but he was converting that them them touches into goals. He's just not in the right areas for me. The two things I would say is yes. Last season, he also went on I think a seven eight uh, game goal drought, and he still came out with you know thirty goals at the end of the season, so or whatever that number was. So it doesn't concern me that he's not scoring. But yeah, I agree with you. From the games that I'm watching, you know, being the you know the couch manager. Uh, as I'm as I'm watching it, the amount of times I see that he's making the runs and the balls are not coming, you know, mm-hmm. him doing doing those brilliant little darty runs he does, and then all of a sudden we pass sideways, which you know drives me bananas. Um, but uh, I, I see that a lot. So sure, he hasn't been scoring, but I do I do think he's not getting fed it. I, I think he's not getting the the team playing towards you know the runs that he's after, and I think if they did, if they if they took that gamble, and I don't know if that's the boss saying you know don't risk it, uh, but to me those cutting passes that McGregor can do, 
Turnbull can do, O'Reilly can do, you know, those are the ones that he gets on the end of. So I, I think he's going to be all right. I'm not fearing it. Yeah, no, again, it's, it's, as you said, it's one of them things. I want the confidence to go back in him. Do you know what I mean? I like him when he's playing for the confidence. I want him to take his opportunities. But, I mean, Anthony, you look at O, Ross rightly said there, the second goal I thought was a brilliant bit of play. Cal McGregor found him with a fantastic pass. And then that hip kind of movement to get the defender out of the way I thought was fantastic. And then the composure, which I don't think, to be honest, he would have shown last season. I think he would have probably slashed at that or maybe took another touch and the keeper had time to close him down. But he took it one time finish. And it's, for me, anyway, it's great to see him play like that. And Ross, you brought up Jack Amagas. I wasn't going to mention him tonight, but you're, you're right in a way. I took him away to get settled after the penalty kick miss against Livingston. People were going, get him out, get him out, sell him in January. Then McHugo got injured. He took his form and, and he, he was fantastic till he left and went to the MLS. But where do you stand on, on Owen, his impact in the team at the minute? I've got to agree with both of you. And I need to bring the comparison again to Jack Marcus and remind people that he was 26 when we signed him. And he only had that one really good season at VVV the year before. So, what, 24, 25? Then he comes to mm. us when he's 26. Owen's only 22. If we're going to compare the similarities to both of them, you have to remember that Jack Amakis back in his early career was a bit of a slow burner and a slow starter as well. And then he found his, his place in the game, his strength, his composure. He, he had a team playing with him and into his style, and it worked for him, and it worked for him at Celtic as well. And he even worked for him uh, in the MLS. I think he got quite a few goals last season as well. We owe, I think he's definitely grown into the team. I think the... The way we set up now is more in tune with O, as we said, we Edward and Dembele being previous kind of examples of a stronger striker who like to, likes to run with the ball compared to Kyogo. And you saw that with the second goal. He's he's been in front of the defender when the ball's been coming through, but he's almost kind of held off because he knows he needs to get that ball, turn the defender a little bit and then make a bit of space for him. And he's done it all with composure and a stature of somebody who's well above his age in the game. So he's he's definitely coming on this season compared to last year. And there's I think there's much more to come from him. As we touch on Kyogo though, I think we definitely are and people used to slag me for this uh for the last couple of years. But I think we're definitely seeing the lack of service to him because we're not playing guys like Abada or Maeda who are much more driving down the wings and cutting balls in with a, a fierce kind of cross the face of goal ball, whereas now we're, we're much more about the the pass around the midfield, look for the open and slip somebody in. And that's not always best for Kyogo with these packed defences. We need a bit more of a, a counter-attacking drive sort of thing to kind of feed him in. I, don't, I think that's right. It's a style, it's impacting it, but kind of quick fire to both for us. For the next upcoming games, let's say we've got Kamarnik and two or three after it, Kyogo or O? Who you go, ma? Kyogo. Right, okay. Even even O showing that form on Wednesday, we just dropped him in the team for Kamarnik? I think also the, the goals that he's been scoring, uh, most of his goals have, have come as he's come on as a substitute, right? So most of hmm. his goals he's, he's picking in. So I, what I'm saying is I'm trusting him. It's not that I'm preferring Kyogo. I, I sort of think that O probably has more of an impact off the bench than Kyogo does. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you bring Kyogo oh, yeah. on sort of in 60 minutes, I was I was praying for him to get a goal the other night, you know, but I was just like, eh, it's, just, it's not going to slide his way. And I, I, I tend to find 
that O comes on in those last 30 minutes and has more of an impact. So that would be my reasoning. It's not necessarily because, you know, O's tucked in two and he doesn't deserve it. I think he's a great impact player. Yeah, some players are born to be impact players, to be honest. But, Anthony, where do you, where do you stand? I think for now you still need to start with Kyogo as well. Um, O's making good a good shout for, for a start, but when we're... At this busy period, I think you go with the strongest solid that you can possibly get. You don't mix it around too much. You give him his half hour, 45 minutes when you can. And if he keeps proving himself at that point, getting a goal or two every time he comes on for that half hour, 40 minutes, then maybe come the new year, we start introducing him as a, a starting striker. But I think just now you, you go through this period with your strongest eleven every time. I think for me, like what San Fran Celtic here says, you can't trap against a team like Kelly need his physicality. A hundred percent. I think that O should be starting. I think he's. We've seen Anne's reward players on the back of taking their chances. O for me took his chance, and he don't until he fucks up, so to speak. Again, I don't think for me personally he should come out of the team, and that's no slight in Kyogo. But O for me is playing with confidence. He's playing like a striker. He's going to score goals and getting about people, be physical. And look, I know last season Kyogo took the curve, Kelly, and the season before that. That's a hundred percent. I'm not doubting he could do it again and again and again. Yeah, we haven't struggled really with the physicality really up front for a while. So yeah, we well, haven't. But I think Ross, it comes back to, like you said though, that the style of play is totally different. Mm. It's we're building up slower. It's giving teams opportunities to set an impact the defence. And the only other option then is Palma or whoever's playing on the right, Yang, Tilio, Johnson, crossing the ball in. So I think in, in an essence, we need to take advantage of that while we can and. It's, again, it's no slight in Kugo. I just think O for me is just the, the better striker. And Dion comes in here. O's to start on Sunday. It would be disheartening to him just to stick him on the bench again, 100%. Uh, San Francisco, we struggled against Kelly. Kelly's one of, is, to be fair, one of our bogey teams. I hate that pitch, by the way. I know they're talking about ripping them up. I hope that happens because, you know, it's the channels playing them 3G in the SPL. Pam, Kelly got me undermined 100%. For me, that's why I would uh, choose O. And as always, Ross, you would notice especially, I'm in the minority. But you know what? I like it. It's all good. Another player I want to touch upon, who had another fantastic game in the foot, Cal McGregor again, brought this guy's game on the new level. Ross was Manorelli. Mm. Making late, late runs into the box. Palm of a lovely whip ball, like he can do any day of the week. Bang, bullet header. And for me, this guy's he, he's scurry good. Like, and for the SPL, he's he's too good. That for European level, he's still finding his feet. He's getting his first international call up for Denmark. He's already had the first cap, and he's got that under his cap as well. The ceiling for him. I know we said a lot about a Tate and we said about a Bada, but already he's just he's so cultured. He's elegant. He can move well. He's just a Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce of a player, and he took his goal really well. It's all those Pilates classes, you know. It's like, yeah, do you do Pilates? You must do Pilates over in Hollywood. Come on. Oh man, come over and slap you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think of O'Reilly? Uh, I love him. I mean, I think he's great. I mean, look, he's one of those players. I, I think he's still got a little bit to learn. You know, he is out of his depth in Europe, and I think we go into Europe going, oh no, you know, yeah, he's, he's on fire, and he gets you know run around. Um, so he's not European level, but I love his story as well. I just love the fact of where he came from, the way he's loving the club. It seems like he's loving the way of Celtic, you know. Um, and he's uh, phenomenal. When he's on, he's on. And and mm. we need. Unfortunately, I feel this way with 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 a few of, of our team. If we were if they were all on all the time, we'd be a force. Probably yep. 
that's the difference is, you know, there's 10%, 20% of the time, even our guys that we like, like Hatata, you brought him up. I think we really miss him. But there are days when I watch him and I'm so frustrated, you know, he gives a ball away or he's just like, you know, it's just not quite there. And then he plays another blinder. And I feel O'Reilly's like that. He can have an absolute blinder and then he can have an absolute stinker. And I'm like, you know, I just wish that balance was just there. And I guess maybe that's the difference between the real, you know, elite athletes. And I'm sure they'll get there. Um, uh, But it is a frustration that I that I have with our team. I'm just like, if we show up and if we play our full game, we're really hard to beat. Uh, do you think do you think O'Reilly is our best midfield player? Mm. Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think for me, Rogers has has took him, and look again. Obviously, people go back to him hitting Pasta Cola, but don't think he did. It's different styles of management. I think works for different people. Yes, and Rogers clearly puts the arm around him, and Matt O'Reilly's took that. I think he's nine goals or something in all competitions. And for me, like look. His passing game I, is phenomenal too. Like when he's oh, when, when he's sensational, in, it's like you know it really suits us. Yeah, yeah, and I think when he runs onto the ball, like like he said before in the interview, he could just see the pitch open up and he could pick the right thing off. And, he, and nine times out of ten, it, it comes off. And I always go back to when Stuart Armstrong was with us. I loved him. Mm-hmm. I loved Stuart Armstrong at, at our club, and I thought he could do the exact same things. But for me, Matt O'Reilly, he's filling that void. He's like the number eight, number ten kind of hybrid player that Rogers likes to have and like you said at the start players that do different jobs I think O'Reilly can do probably them all if we're honest he could do the sitting position he could do up and down or play the 10 road and I just think he's been really effective obviously missing a tate has been a big miss but I think O'Reilly's just he's filled that like yeah no, I, agree. <laughs> I, I really enjoy watching him and I, I feel comfortable that he's on a team sheet yeah yeah, yeah he's uh, apart from Cal McGregor obviously who's the captain and should be the within reason the number one name on the sheet all the time. Matt O'Reilly's up there. He he has to be one of one of the first that goes down on the team sheet because why else would you leave him out? Yeah. It's a nice comparison made though. Uh Stuart Armstrong. Um he really is like a if you could take the intelligence and the the kind of football mind of Stuart Armstrong and the technical craftsman wizardry of Tom Roddick immersion together you'd get a, a Matt O'Reilly out of him. And you say he can do the kind of eight and the ten but he's technically really gifted as well. The only thing he lacks, which is probably the same for Palmer, is just that little bit of burst of speed, that little bit of pace that would probably just take him up an extra level. Um, but it's not all just about that. I mean, you look at other guys in world football who don't have the greatest of pace. But, yeah, I don't know. Matt Riley's a phenomenal player. We're kind of happy and lucky to have him just now, and he won't stay here forever. Well, I think it goes. Nah, I think for him, he he also knows the opportunity he's been handed with Celtic, you know, and he's very yeah. vocal about that. And so I think that there's a, a real sense of uh, you know companionship with the team. So totally, I, I totally Ross, there's um him and we're gonna you know yeah maybe he'll he'll go up to the you know the English league at some point. But I think he's very very happy being in the Celtic colour. You know, he comes across as a guy, and I know we've always been stung in the past by managers and players who have left us in, in due course, but he does come across as a guy who's who's got a plan and he's not finished at Celtic yet, and that doesn't mean he's going to be here for three, four, five years, but I think he knows fine well that he's still developing, especially under Brendan Rodgers. He's got work to be done for himself, and when he's ready, he'll move on to Celtic to go up a level in his career. I don't think he's the sort of guy who thinks, 
I'm going to leave to go back down to England and into the EPL to play for, you know, an Everton or Stoke or any mid-table yo-yo kind of team. I think he's Not going to Manchester United, yeah. I think he's going to be very intelligent about what, what his next move is. If he can get into English football goal, kind of European challenging, European kind of spots, the top eight, he'll take that position. But I don't think he'll go for a, a kind of mid-table has-been kind of club. No, hundred percent. And like you said, Ross's story is fantastic. Leaving Fulham, training in a public park, getting the chance at MK Dons, thriving in League One, and coming to us and taking this game to New Haven. But I want to come to you with a question, Sam from Celtics. Put in Ross, if a big offer comes in in January for Matt O'Reilly, do we trust the board? No. What do you think, Ross? It's lagging right now, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Do I trust the board to not sell him? I think that's that's what that that's what San Fran's meaning. I think I think, and again, this is just listen. It's only opinions. I think Brendan Rodgers would make damn sure he's not sold in January. Yeah, I can't see it happening in January. And like we said, players players like him, I don't think stay forever. We've seen that before. And it's a bit of a bad thing to say, but a big transfer fee. I, I'm I'm of the opinion he'll actually break our. Transfer income and fee, I think we'll be getting the 30 million plus for him. And in my opinion, when he does leave a club, which would be a fantastic bit of money for, for the club if they invest it. But another player, Ross, that everyone's talking about, and, and Anthony brought him up, Palma. Palma frustrates the absolute life clean out of me, right? And I'll tell you why, right? Maybe you can help me. For me, he, he produced. And assist you and I. You and I live in such different brains. I love it. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> for me. Palma produced a fantastic assist for Aurelius header and the, the penalty which he had to redeem himself for that pathetic one he did the other week. It was yeah. a good go. But what annoys me, right, is the constant having the ball on the left, cutting back in. It's so readable, and to be honest, nine times out of ten, the full back does get the ball. When he takes the player on on the outside, like he did for O'Reilly, he got that opportunity to cross it, and he did a fantastic cross, but he doesn't do that enough, in my opinion. And this is probably sounding so contradictory because he's got so many assists or whatever, but there's so much... The only reason why I'm saying it, because there's so much potential in him, I think. I think he, he can... I want more from I, him. I, I want more from him, 100%. It just frustrates me, because I think he's so readable in the game, and even Roger said it, he had to speak to him about not coming back all the time. He had, a, he had a good game against Hibs, but do, do you get what I mean? You said I live in a different brain from you. I mean, to be fair, I obviously do. But <laughs> what's your what's your opinion on Palmer at the moment? I, 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 I was going to talk about um, Yeah, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. I do agree with what you're saying. And I think the, the cross against the Hibs game was really unlike him. You know, the fact that he went on the outside and I think with his left put it over. I think he's a tasty player. Uh, and I, I agree there's more potential there. But out of all the new people that we brought in, I would say Palmer is the one that has stuck out to me that goes, you know, he's, a, he's, he's decent. Like, again, he's one, if he shows up on the, on the sheet, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm like, okay, we've got somebody on there. You know, um, I do agree with you. I mean, he lacks a little bit of pace. Uh, he's got finesse. It's, it's sort of what I was saying earlier. There are games he plays that he's outstanding in. And then there's a couple of games he goes missing and you're like, where's the, where's yeah. the consistency, you know? Um, and I guess a part of my like for him is because who else you put there? 
right well, now. That's very true, actually. Yeah. Well, and, and right now, you know, and again, it's not dissing on any of the lads, but, you know, I have heart palpitations when I see <laughs> some of the names going on that sheet, you know, and I'm like, can we do this in 2017? Like, what? What's happening? Are you um, talking about Michael, uh, Mickey Johnson by any Possibly. But <laughs> what I will say is he does also prove me wrong. I thought he was very good um, uh, last week. I thought he was all right. Um, and there's been, and he shows moments of magic, absolute magic. But it's just the final ball for him. Just, you know, he'll, he'll take on two players, try and take on the third, and he gets done. Takes on two players, takes a shot, hits the corner post. You know, it's like, that that's my so I say who else goes there and so for me I just I think Palmer just has a bit of skill he has a bit of tenacity about him he's got a bit of hunger and a bit of drive so do I agree with what you're saying yes do I like him more than you yeah <laughs> no I like him but he does frustrate he does frustrate me I, every time I see him get the ball Anthony come into yourself right like like what Ross said he he does some things like it's magic the the, the long range goals he can hit the free kick he had against Sibs and early went in. He can do all them things so well. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's for me piecing that all together to have a game full of 90 minutes where you're going, wow, he's on it. Like, we look at Jada, right, last season. He had game after game like that. Yeah, he had bad games in between that, but he was overall a fantastic addition to our team. But again, it's strange for you to say, Palma doesn't excite me, if you understand what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Like Ross, I kind of get where you're coming from, um, but I'm going to say that I probably like Palmer more than you do at this stage. Um, I'm going to bring it back to what I said. It's a common then. theme over here, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to bring Ross, it back to, to what I was seeing earlier. See if he had a bit of pace. Do you think you'd be able to take that man on a bit more? As you say, he looks like yes. he tries to cut it back. And would that then excite you more? And then would that mm-hmm. make him with a better player? Now, if it did, I don't think he'd be at Celtic. I think the fact he doesn't have that pace means he's at Celtic just now because otherwise he's such an intelligent footballer. He's very, very gifted. You look at the two assists that he got on Wednesday night. One was a right-footed corner, um, outswinger, comes down, obviously cut a record onto O's leg and then it goes. And for Matt O'Reilly, he's on the other side and it's a left-footed swinger. He's gifted with both feet. You don't often find that. We we players who are attacking that are that gifted they can just do it naturally with both feet. You know, we can all think about Luba Moravchik back in the day was much like the same and same as Nakamura. He's a really talented footballer, but if he had that extra bit of pace that would really excite somebody like Stephen here, then he wouldn't be a Celtic mate. Do you know who excites me more, Anthony? Big Yang. That he excites me more. Oh, he did. We Yang. Yang Yang. He's a good player. He'll come good, lads. You, you know he will. I, look at my prediction about look at my prediction about Burnaby being number one by Christmas. That's that's happening. hundred percent, dude. He's going to. <laughs> I said it all last season. Burnaby was going to be a fantastic player, and he he failed me every single time. So ah, Johnson, going to have to talk about him. Guys like Burnaby and Michael Mikey Johnson, they've had so many chances, and every time they get these couple of games, you're like, great, this is it, guys. Come on, come on, let's do your mm-hmm. thing. Shows what you've got, and there's just nothing else comes from them. And uh, yeah, who who else do we have? Ross on the left wing, because some of the names you see, you kind of like thinking, "Fuck, I'd rather have Palmer there." And as somebody in the comments said, "Let's get a badder back and on the right side." I think we're looking at a, a very, very potentially a, um, what do you call it? potent attacking three and the likes of Kyle going the, the likes of a and Maeda. I mean, that's that's been a huge 
huge loss for us. Yeah. You know? And I think that we're also very spoiled with Jota. And yeah. know, we're all looking for that replacement. And, you know, Jota is really hard to come by. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, as, as good as Palmer is, he ain't Jota. And I think that's a little bit of, the, you know, the hangover that some of us have, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I Matt, mean, that's one quick question then, guys. Just on Palmer, and let's make it really, really quick. He's been in the door, what, four months? Let's call it four months. Does he deserve the number seven shot? No. Is he, li- is he living up to the potential of the number seven? No. Fair, fair. Uh, I'm not sure about you. <laughs> no, I, I think he's one of the most exciting in a long time, um, but he's definitely got still a lot to prove. Listen, he got that number seven very, very early, you know, without having proven it. I, I, I liked that they gave the seven to him, and that sort of made me go, okay, this will be interesting. I've got a feeling he's going to come really good. Yeah, I, I think he will. Uh, yeah. The feeling of me is mutual, by the way, but I can see there's a whole lot more that needs to be coming from mm-hmm. him. Like, I mean, every player on our team, as you said, Ross, when they're on it, the question is when they're all on it. I think that's the big one. But talking about transfers a wee second here, we spoke about the, the strikers at the start of the podcast. Oh, Kyogo, them options are Ross. There's a big rumor this week going around. The Celtic, are, the Celtic are apparently interested in uh, Bojan Miofsky of Aberdeen. And uh, the fee is going to break the, the record transfer fee for a player in Scotland. Obviously, 4.4 million was Scott Brown. That was 16 years ago now. Do you think he'd be a good addition to the team? I think he'd be a bench player. Hmm. You know, that's, that worth that's it, it, Ross. That's it. Why, why, why break that record? Why spend four and a half, five million, six million pound on him when he's going to be a bench player? Well, the, I, I, I think the reason is probably slightly obvious in the sense of you know if we have him, no one else has. And I think the if, if we're thinking about the other mob across the city, then they can't. Oh, no, I'm not even about them. I mean, think about Aberdeen. It's like you know, the, there is something that's probably slightly unfair to a lot of other SPL teams. Is you know, the, the two big boys come in and they buy all the best players. You know, it doesn't always happen, but it, it certainly has happened. Um, and so for me, when I look at that, I go, yeah, he's not replacing anybody, but maybe no. he's becoming a bench player that becomes our you know our seventieth minute sub. And you know, if we do go two up front, I mean, he can score goals. You know, I think that. Go ahead, Alan, like. No, I was just going to say, I can see that exactly being the kind of player that he is because I don't think he's going to replace Kyogo. Uh, they're completely different players, of course. But if we're looking at O coming on to his game this season, are we really going to push O back in his development in favour of Morowski? At that price point, you kind of have to. But at that price point, is he worth being potentially a third choice? Not for me. And uh, I'm always one for berating the board for all the projects and the one, two, three million pound signings that never go anywhere and all the useless money we waste. But it almost feels like we're about to splash a bit of money on somebody who actually would be third choice as opposed to splash mm-hmm. that money on somebody who's going to take over from Kyogo. I'd rather see five, six million spent on a proper replacement, not a backup. Yeah. And I think that's the issue for me. I've seen a lot of people online say this is the market. Now we have to spend these fees even for backup players, but we know that's not true. We could buy a backup striker for two to three million pounds, no problem. And the, the issue with me is Bojan Miofsky, like you said, Ross, domestic level, he scores goals, the Conference League for Aberdeen, he's been quite good. And I actually preferred Duke, his striking partner last season, but he's fell off the, the side of a cliff in terms of his form and what he's producing in that Aberdeen team, which is 
quite ashamed of him. I thought he was going to come on leaps and bounds. But Mayowski, is a, I agree with you. He's a bench player at best. He's not coming in for me to take over from Kyogo or even O to that to that matter. And it's like William Willie on the podcast made a great point on Twitter. If you put O in that Aberdeen team, he'd be just like Mayowski. Do you know what I mean? So you're yeah. not really getting. You're not really getting a, a difference of a player there. You're probably getting two similar players in Kyogo, who's a different one. And I just don't think for me that makes sense. But kind of quick fire again, Ross. Would, would you sign him? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I would love a third striker that's reliable. But it'd be a you know, I, I don't think he would come. And I guess we're now talking about the money. Do you sign him? You know, for five million. I mean, we've got the money. <laughs> but to that not be spent I mean if you're spending 5 million you're expecting someone to come in like a Yada Carter Vickers them, them types of players not a Mayowski from Aberdeen surely no I mean, I'm not all over it I'm not like this has to happen oh my god let's go get him I mean would I like a third striker that was decent you know and not you know somebody who's like you know five levels down sure but yeah if, if we're talking semantics and we're talking about the money I mean is it worth it probably not no, I don't think so either. Anthony, what about yourself? I think Ross answers that question much in the way that Brendan Rogers answers the uh, the transfer policy question with the board. Does he have final say? Well, kinda. I would take an extra. Time, <laughs> does it have to be this one? Um, yeah, I I wouldn't spend that money on. I think he's a good player. I think he's very talented at the level that he's at. Um, you, you look at guys like. This is going to sound really harsh. Liam Scales done really great at Aberdeen, and he found his level, and he's having a really good spell just now. But Liam Scales is not the player we need if we've to go up a level. He's great at what he's doing. Mm. He's doing fantastic this season, and all respect and credit to Liam Scales. But he's not the player who's going to take us up to the, the, the true level of Champions League football where we're actually going to compete successfully. is for me, is probably in the same boat. Aberdeen level, yeah. brilliant. Enjoy it while you can up in Aberdeen. Not for me at Celtic, not at that price. Um, who is the defender that they had a couple of years ago that we tried to sign and they wanted £10 million for him? Scott McKenna. Yeah. Was he worth £10 million? Not a fucking chance. Is Mirovsky worth five? Nah, not for me. Ross, are you going to say something there? No, that was it. I was sort of agreeing with you, but yeah, for the money, no, it's pointless. You know, uh, he doesn't. It's not somebody that I wake up going, "Oh my god, we've got to have him." You know, he's not. He's not even like a you know like a Lee Griffiths type striker when he was yeah. hanging in. You're like, yeah. oh, I'll take Lee. You know what I mean? It's not that for me. You know, I read about it. Cool. You know, but yeah, yeah. it doesn't replace any of our strikers. And to be fair, it's probably pan the sky. We know the paper it originated from, so you can't really believe anything <laughs> they actually say. But the tap back into the game, actually, I mean, Awada made a start, a rare appearance, and Rogers actually confirmed he wanted to start him earlier in games, but he was injured and injury problems took a play on that. But we spoke about McGregor kind of rolling back the years <coughs> at the start of the podcast there. What I f- thought Awada done really well, he came in, he looks like a proper number six. He can cover the ground quickly. He gets in about it. He breaks up the play and plays a simple five-yard pass to keep the play moving. And what I was thinking to myself, is he the, the kind of missing link, so to speak, the, the, the midfield free that they're trying out home, they're trying out Bernardo, they're trying to bring back Turnbull. But is the answer Awada, O'Reilly and McGregor? Whilst Hattati's out of the game or 
off form. Yes, one hundred percent. It reminds me a bit of um, was it Sorrow that we had a couple of years ago, and he looked really good, very kind of dogged in the face, breaking up the game, but he was far too chaotic. He kind of reminds me a little bit of him, but with the the sensibility of of Hattati and even Callum McGregor himself, he's a lot more assured on the ball. He knows what he's doing, reads the game really well, and he allows the other two midfielders to move up and do their job. Yes, 100% locking, 100%. As for grounder. Nice. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about then. <laughs> he does know what he's talking about. We, we often have debates. But, I mean, I, li- I like the water. Last season, Rossi came in at centre-half and he was kind of pigeonholed to being a problem there. And he played right back in pre-season. Actually, thought he'd done quite well when he was deputising for Johnson when he was injured. But what you said at, at the start was the, the kind of the difference that we've seen in McGregor on the O'Reilly. And if you bring that back, I think the key to me in the middle was Iwata. He was calm under the pressure. He just played the simple pass. And he's again, he's quick. He's, he's dynamic. And he, he's quite stocky for a, a smaller type player as well. Yeah. I mean, he gets in the bounce. And we've all cried out for this physical midfielder. Believe, believe me, I still think we need one 110%. But just while we get to the January transfer window and Rogers does what he does, I think Iwata's a, a great bit of thing to, to put, him, put him in <coughs> while Hatate's injured. I agree. I think he's a. I actually think he's a great player. And somebody else just mentioned it, but it's so true. It was, yeah, he was player of the year over in Japan. Was it Japan? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, of course, you, you've got a you've got a baller there, and that was that was probably a product of the Ange days, you know, um, and him coming over. I just, yeah, I, I think he's tasty. I'd like to see more of him. I would definitely like to. Yeah. Be, be happy to sort of see him in the in the first eleven. Yeah, he definitely offers something different than that number six position. But moving on to the defence, uh, Ross Carter Vickers come off injured. Well, suspect an injury at half time. Roger said he's he's okay. It was just a, a precaution for his hamstring. But a player who came in was Nat Phillips. Now that's that, that's Manson, that's right? Naraki, nowhere to be seen. Larga Belga, nowhere to be seen. Kobe is getting sold. Stephen Welsh again coming back from an injury. But when Nat Phillips came in, he was meant to be the saviour at centre-half, the emergency load sign of Liverpool, the guy who comes in under pressure, he does well. But I've seen someone say online, he's like a Shane Duffy 2.0. He, 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 doesn't, he, he does not look at all comfortable, maybe again a style of play. But watching him against Hibs, I mean, Ellie Yuhan, their striker, had him on the ropes at points in that match in the second half, just running at him. He was falling over his feet. I think Ellie Yuan hit the post from a tight angle when he missed it. It could have been a penalty kick as well when Nat Phillips put his foot out. And he just looks so lethargic, clumsy. And Liverpool put out a tweet the other day. No, it was last year. Someone retweeted it. It was like six, 62 seconds of Nat Phillips being Nat Phillips. And all it was, all it was, was him headering the ball away. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, if you look at that, Ross has said he's not good with his feet. And if, if you're coming to January, would he be someone you'd be happy to say, Cheerio to you back down, Phil. Yeah, and I think that was part of the deal, you know. I mean, the, I think the Shane Duffy comparison is a little harsh. Um, I guess, <laughs> it wasn't me. Duffy. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> <Get> it? <laughs> yeah, listen, again, it was a tasty signing at that point where we, we had a bunch of injuries, right? So we had no centre-backs was, was the issue, right? Carter Vickers was still out and, uh, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't unearthed the scales yet. So it was like, you know, we needed emergency, you know, uh, bring him in and when you bring in a, a player from uh, a, a high level club you know all right it wasn't 
playing all the time down at Liverpool, but it's you know he's coming from a decent um, pedigree. You're expecting big things. What I will say is, I'm sure his head's been all over the place. You know, he is brought in. He has what one game, and then he's just he's benched again. And I think mm. what you're saying at Lagabielka and um, Narosky. Again, those two guys when they first came in, there was a bit of excitement, and then Narosky got injured, right? And and yep. and Lagabielka too. And I think that was that was a whole panic stations. But Rogers alluded to something about training. You know, and you sort of go, oh, he's he's lit a fire. He's saying these guys are not showing up in training. So, you know, you can't drop scales right now. I agree with you. But, you know, I don't think uh, he, he's our player that will take us to any next level. Um, but I think he's been solid enough. Uh, Carter Vickers is just a mainstay. Of, you know, I mean, he's mm. even off his normal. So is Alistair Johnson this year. But the Hibs game, they sort of came back into it a little, I felt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look. We've got an overabundance of, of centre-backs. Do we let Phillips go in January? I think that was always the plan. I, I think that was the, the talk. Of the, you know, unless he was going to come up and just absolutely set the, the place ablaze. Um, I think it was always just a little, you know, stop gap, come and help us. We, we're, we're shy on centre-backs. Yeah, I mean, say if I go back there, Ross, right? Let, let's be a bit harsh here. Like, my favourite thing to do, actually. Look, if we look at our centre halves apart from Vickers, and we're seeing kind of the defence again go to pot when he came off with the kind of organisation and things like that. Are any of our centre halves apart from Carter Vickers, from what we've seen, good enough? Even the new signings. I think we, it's something Celtic have struggled with for years on, off and on. You know, it's like uh, for I mean, we, we have had some solid defenders at certain points, but my memory is it serves correctly. For years, we've always been like, it's just not quite there. You know, it's not just not, we just don't have the solid back four that we need. So are they good enough? I thought Narosky looked tasty when he when he started. I thought he was interesting. And I think given a run of games, he would be all right. Lagerbielka just seems like a, you know, 12-year-old to me. I can't get over it. I mean, he's a big boy, but I mean, he looks so young. You know, I'm just... I'm glad he, he's a professional footballer. Um, but again, I thought he was great up until, you know, he got his, his red ticket uh, in, in our first Champions League game and that sort of soiled it a little bit for a lot of us, I think. Uh, are they good enough? I think there's possibility. I think a run yeah. game, Roski could be a player. Um, you know, but I felt that even, like, Starfelt was 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 good, but there were times Starfelt was a bomb scare. You know what I mean? There were, there were times where I was like, I was oh, and I think Carter Vickers has been like the only one recently where I've, I've you know, in Carter we trust, you know, I've put that in. Um, and uh, yeah, so do, do I do I think after a run of games they've got something? Yeah, but maybe it was yeah, no. yeah, it's going to take a, a miracle. Like you mentioned skills there, Anthony, uh, before in terms of the, the next level and stuff like that, but you can't drop them. And the, the only thing concerning for me is, Speaking about Nal Phillips and his impact on the team's been been non-existent, and you look at the bench, it's never really changed. Like Narosky and Larga Belga aren't getting the look in, no. and it, it could be the application, like you said, Ross and training, which Rogers has actually alluded to. But actually, you, you look at Phillips, right? I think he has gone back in January, if we're honest. Larga Belga was Swedish Player of the Year, I believe. He's been in the Swedish national team. He scored a goal, I think, in one of his first appearances, and then Narosky's been back from injury for basically a month and a half and not got looking. So what does that like what does that say? Is their application not good enough? Are they going to be shipped out like Kobayashi or is what what's happening, do you think in your opinion? 
I actually forgot that we even had Kobayashi, to be fair. Um, that's how far down the line he is. Um, I'm with you guys, especially thinking about Phelps in January. He has to be going back down to Liverpool. Um, the guy only played 80-odd games. I think it was 88 games before he came to us. Um, and I can see why at the age of, what, 26 as well, he's played 88 professional games. You can see why. He's not that great, really. And we even signed him as an as an injured player at the time. It really was a weird emergency signing. He's fulfilled what he needs to be, um, but he has to go on in January. We need to figure out what our main three, main four defenders are. Obviously, Carter Vickers, uh, Scales is making a good shout for himself, and you need to figure would out... You, would you take Scales out at the first time of asking? Would you take him out the first time of asking if he had a couple of bad games? If you asked me that question six weeks ago, I would have said yes. But today I have to say no. I, I think it, it would be really harsh to drop skills. I think he definitely reads the game well. The fact that we're all... No, in fact, we are out of European football after Christmas now. One game to go and we can't do fuck all about it now. It would be really harsh to drop skills. Um, he deserves to stay in until he really doesn't deserve to be in the team anymore. But... I will go back to what I said earlier, that he's not the player that's going to take us up the level, and we need to figure that out. Is it Lange Bielka? Is it Naroski? I don't know. We've not seen enough of them yet. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, did Lange Bielka and Scales not go on three or four games and have a, a solid partnership at the back at the start yeah. of the season? Um, so there must I be something in Yeah, there has to be something with Lange Bielka, player of the year in speed and whatnot. Um, it does look like a lazy signing from Celtic with the whole staff out going out and the same agent presents you the next Swedish defender. So it looks lazy, but there's a player there, surely, especially for his age. So I'm all for working with Lagerbjörk and Navrosky from now till, till May, June time. But we need to figure out what is the partnership going into next season because mm -hmm. we need that pinned down as soon as possible. We need that pinned down now. Because we need to know that because it's one of the worst things that we do at this club is go into a new season, much like we did this year, and we don't have a steady backline at all for the first like two months. And it's a pain in the ass. When you think back to the Champions League campaigns when near Big Tom was filmed in at center half. Exactly. You know, like, you it's know, it's incredible. We should that that's how you end up we scaled develops was the same situation, just disaster at the back that you end up makeshifting it and again i need to keep saying this all credit and respect to skills he's done absolutely phenomenal for us for us this season and uh you can't follow him he's worked great he reads the game well but i just don't think he's going to take us up a level you sound like me talking about palmer <laughs> so funnily enough i <laughs> but like again taking it away from the game there uh, Ross, there's been a bit of background chatter in, in the backroom staff so to speak Harry Kuehl has been linked with a move to one of Anz's former uh, clubs in Japan, Yokohama Muranos, um, the takeover from Kev Muscat. He's left, and it looks like he, he's the front runner. And there's rumours going around that uh, Scott Brown has apparently taken his position in the in the backroom setup. W would you be against Bernie coming back? I mean, again, not against, but do you think that would be a good move, bringing him back? Obviously, he's off the back of uh, a year and a half at Fleetwood as manager. I mean, Harry Kuehl was quite similar when he came in under Postacoglu. He was managing down there. didn't quite work out. Postacoglu gave him a break, and then Rodgers kept him on. Just for, first of all, on Harry Kuehl and his impact, I mean, Mieta spoke about him. He had a big burn on his career. Abada spoke about him. 
I think for me, like genuinely, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but clearly he's made a, a massive impact, and who they get in to replace him is just as key. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know him, but I, uh, I know that a lot of the players like him and have have a, have a great connection. Well, it's got football in mind. He was a great player, cool, you know. So, um, yeah, I think uh, a brownie, I, I, I admire a lot. You know, I know Scott well, and it's like um, I think he's actually got a very good footballing brain. He knows the club. I know some people go, "That shouldn't just be about if you know the club," but there is something to that. You know, that that does have a little bit of an impact. Um, I can see it. I know him and Rogers got on extremely well. Uh, you know, he knows Cal Mack. You know, Cal sort mm-hmm. of grew up with him, and you know, Tierney used to look up to Brownie, and you know, like all the younger players were really um, into what he had to offer so if that were to transpire yeah i'd be happy with it. Yeah. yeah i think for like if i look if i look i'm always afraid of ever get for example you're in a workplace hopefully and a manager replaces a manager so to speak but they stay on as staff and like you're the new head on so I, I always get that feeling with Cal, like cal mcgregor and scott brown like i love scott brown and what he's done but it's like he's coming back in with mcgregor feel a bit I mean, you're a coach and I am the captain. I think that goes on in that kind of environment. I think it could happen. Sorry, jump in, but the captain's a captain. It's like you know, I, mm. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think those paths actually cross as much. As yeah, I, I, I think there could be some sort of kind of dynamic, almost like that kind of way where you, some workplaces, you got the older heads, but the manager's about twenty years younger than them. There's sometimes that kind of power play. And I think that's on Cal McGregor to get that sorted in and say, because I don't think Brown's the sort of guy who would come in. Because as Ross says, it's a different position. He's the captain of, of the club. He's not the manager. He's not a coach. It's completely different. But he needs to make sure he doesn't. Yeah, no to Brownie for me. I'm, I'm with San Fran overall, to be fair. And, uh, are, you, are, you, are you with San Fran here? Yeah, depending on how long we've got tonight, boys, uh, we can have a good conversation about that. You um, go ahead if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> I think. But we'll keep it on the Calmac Brown thing just now. I think it's on Calmac not to let that spoil his kind of pathway as a captain just now. He's obviously been doing a fantastic job for the last two years, uh, three years now. Um, I think Calmac is is a well deserved Celtic captain. He's one of the one of the best we've had in in our lifetime so far. Well, especially the last twenty odd years. Um, but he's not Scott Brown, and he shouldn't be fearful of Scott Brown coming back into the club as if it's somebody he has to, you know, look up to or overshadow or anything weird like that. I think he just needs to get his head sorted and get on with it. And I think he, I generally think he will. I think I'm almost making up a situation that doesn't even exist, to be fair. As for Scott Brown coming back, right, how long do we have? Um, I don't have lots. About a minute and a half. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Um, I do worry about the whole job with the boys thing that Celtic have going on, and it looks like we're really going back down that path. Um, all respect to to Harry Cool stepping up into the management line again. Fair play to him. All rest it. If our result is to bring Brownie back, I'd be concerned about that. To be fair. Um, if we had gave Brown a, a youth position as soon as he retired, it would still have been an uneasy thing, but he'd done that position a couple of times, even as a player. He'd went into the youth setup a few times in his playing days and he took a, a, a good interest in there. And I would be okay with that, but to put him straight in as a coach, 
when he's tried being a manager. I think there's a weird dynamic going on there. Is it a job for the boys to help him out at the club? And then does he just get too comfortable here? And does he really deserve it? Or should he probably more likely still go off and Lenny's managerial trade? I think he did well, did he not, in his first kind of half year year at Fleetwood? It was the second season that went off the boil a wee bit. There's something there with Brown that he could be a good manager. I don't think he should waste himself doing the kind of job for the boys thing. See, it's just Mike. It tells me it's on and then it's off. It's it's a shambles. But I mean, to be fair with myself, I, I'm 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 with you. I don't want Scott Brown back. And it's no no disrespect to Bernie and what he's done. I think we need to take ourselves away from that comfortable environment where we're bringing in ex players and maybe get in another coach who is up and coming from I don't know Europe maybe and see what they can do and you know, it's it's just one of these things things outside the box and maybe something come off that you look at the likes of again go back to it, Salzburg um, RB Leipzig their assistants become managers and then they move on to massive clubs you know what I mean these things can happen and I've, sometimes I think Celtic need to look at that type of model but that, that's a, a thing for another day uh, Ross I know you don't have that much time buddy but Rugby Park next Derek McInnes kind of does part-time Rangers punditry and part-time Kilmarnock management. We're, we're on the way to the plastic pits again. The Kelly Pies will be out in force. Well, I mean, how do you think the game's going to go and then your score and line-up prediction? We practice on a plastic pitch for a reason. So I, I think, it, it, annoying as it is, I think it's just, look, they're always going to use that to their advantage. They're never going to surf it up. I'd be shocked if they do. Because I think anyone that goes in there, they're going, listen, this is just an advantage to turn over a lot of people. Uh, uh, we show up, we play our game, we should win it comfortably. Um, I've no idea about the starting lineup. I mean, you know, I'll leave that to you two, but it's like, uh, I won't even do a score prediction, we'll win. But, you know, if we show up. No play, score prediction, you're not going to put your, your numbers to the mouth, though. Come on. Oh, fair enough. 18. I'll think about yourself. <laughs> I think we've always likely conceded, um, but I think going on that plastic pitch, it's not as bad as it used to be. I think it's a psychological thing with fans more often than not, as Ross says, we, we pra- practice on these pitches at, at Lennox Town often enough now. There's always a worry about injuries when you look at, um, what's his name? The um, uh, Samunovic, with his knee injury Samunovic. all the time on the plastic pitches. That's always going to be a concern for us, but I don't believe there's anybody in the squad just now who's got that kind of ongoing injury that could be kind of hazard. I think we'll concede. We tend to, but I can't see us not winning. I'll, I'll go with a 3-1 if you're going to make me pick a number. Are you going to go are you going to do a lineup prediction? Are you going to back out of it? Um, <laughs> We'll start with Kyle. Go. We'll start with Palmer. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bad move. <laughs> now, right wing is anybody's guess. It could be Yang, it could be Johnston, it could be fuck knows who. I think um, yeah. I think uh, I think he has to be sensible. I think he has to go with midfield three of what started it on Wednesday. I think if he doesn't go with that midfield three, we're going to be struggling. But if he goes with that three, I think we'll be fine. No problem, no worries at all. And for me, I'll go three one. My lineup prediction would be Joe Hart, Alzer Johnson, Carter Vickers, Scales, Taylor, Awada, McGregor, O'Reilly. 
Um, I think Yang will come back in, O up top, and Palma on the left. And as I said, they're 3-1. But that brings us to the end of the, the podcast. Have you enjoyed it? I have. First one I've done with you guys, and I've actually really enjoyed it. Nice to meet you as well, Ross. Nice you to come back. You, next time we'll make sure that we'll put out a nice little green thing behind us. I like it. I like <laughs> Well, that or you see my dirty dishes. Is that what it is? <laughs> He's going to yeah. say, it looks like we're in his, I don't know, his broom cupboard. I don't know what's going broom on. Cupboard. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, this, is actually, this is a kitchen, believe it or not. <laughs> broom cupboard. <laughs> but have you enjoyed it, Ross? Good to have you back on as well, buddy. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure coming on. Thanks for the invites. I know you, you guys keep you keep nudging me, and if I'm around, I'll do it. And today I was, so I was glad I was glad I'd be able to pop in. Good man. And until Monday, everybody, stay well, keep safe. Heel, heel. Heel, heel.